Hi, welcome to Life After Choice, Caffeine Convos, where we discuss abortion-related issues from a biblical point of view. Good morning, husband. This is Michelle, and my husband Jerry is with me. Hello. And we are holding our mugs of caffeinated drinks. And we would like to talk today about some of the people who are hurt by abortion. If you listened to us last time, you know that we're on a series on this topic because the mandate of our ministry is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with a focus on offering the healing work of the cross to those hurt by abortion. And the amazing thing that's happened to us over the last two years is how our notion of who is hurt by abortion has just expanded. Today we're going to talk about men because we recently heard a story just in our circle of acquaintance, but yet this story is one that we have heard more than once. It is, I think, a fairly common story for men in their experience of abortion, and we just want to explore the whole notion of how men are hurt by abortion. So the story that we heard was about a young man whose girlfriend aborted his child. And Without she, telling him. Yeah. She didn't even tell him that she was pregnant. So he came into this knowledge of being a father at the same time that he came into the knowledge that his child was gone. And that decision was uh, torn from his grip. He was not included in the process of the decision-making, and he was devastated, and he was really torn apart by this. So this made us think that this would be a good topic for us to just tackle as we're, again, um, looking into who is hurt by abortion. So we're going to just focus on men today. And it's been our experience, having had an abortion, that it does affect both the man and the woman. And the man in particular is um, robbed of his um, prime directive, which is to protect that young one and protect the wife, and especially when he's not given uh, any heads up about what has happened. It's, it's, a, it's a crushing blow. Yes, it is. And you have talked about your experience of that. Maybe, you, you know, do you want to share like what you went through? As I look back, and I uh, initially, it, it, was, um, it wasn't taken with, with very much solemnity. It was, it was, we were very young, and, and there was a sense of being free from the burden of having to deal with that, and we put it out of our mind. But as we aged and we looked back on our life and saw the, the sort of hidden effects of that, um, personally, I had a reoccurring dream of a young child sort of um, playing, um, squatting down, and, and it was beautiful. I could see her in a distance. I couldn't get to her. And that was it happened again and again. And finally, I realized that this was me working out in a subconscious way this, um, this really uh, destructive thing that happened to my manhood. Because uh, at that very real place, a subconscious level, I realized that I had failed in my, um, my duty, which was to protect that young one. And so when, when I 
came to this realization and also became aware that the only really uh, healing that could be done is through the cross and being able to finally lay it all at the cross and, and being able to um, walk in the sunshine, so to speak. And receive the forgiveness. And receive the forgiveness. Offered, yeah. And um, so it made me think a lot about um, what it is that uh, is robbed from a man, and it's a very primal thing. It got me to thinking about how this abortion experience uh, affects man in general. I knew how it affects me in particular, but I, I thought about this um, this subconscious uh, quality of manhood and how that through time, this sense of purpose of of being uh, the protector of of the of the young and the protecting of the woman uh, was a uh, a theme that that went throughout history, and it, it imbued um, the the coming of age of a man and the the sense of um, knighthood with the notion of honor and duty and that sort of thing, and. Uh, I then I I thought about this quest of the night and how the quest of the night was for the Holy Grail, and when I investigated the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail was supposedly the cup that that held the the blood that Joseph Arimathea collected the blood of Jesus at the cross. This legend. Um, Can I also just add that it is supposed to be the chalice that Jesus himself used at the Last Supper. At the last Passover where he instituted the New new Covenant covenant in his blood with wine there so that we have the wine and the blood in this cup. Right. And and the quest for this this chalice or this Holy Grail was, uh, it's a, a thought that propelled the knight gallant to go forth to acquire uh, the grail. And uh, I think it was uh, uh, Percival was the uh, the first story of, of that, but it, it it was in the Arthurian legends, and but it was something that that sort of uh, held sway with the knight and the notion of honor, duty, and the quest, and also the way that women would be treated in that whole um, exactly. concept of chivalry. Exactly. So, in time, the the Grail which was that which was of the physical that held the holy. So you had the chalice holding the, the blood of Christ or the, the physical um, holding the celestial. Holding the transcendent. The, the transcendent, way that... exactly, mm-hmm. um, was a picture of Mary. Mary was the physical being that held the Christ child in her womb. And so the cup uh, took on significance of the woman. The woman was the cup, and there there was this notion that the cup needed to be protected because the life within the woman was holy. It was the 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 breath of of God that provided life within the womb. So this picture of the chalice and the the holding the holy, is in my mind, was this picture of a woman with the child in her. And the duty of the man was to protect this 
in the, the time of, of gestation and when she was vulnerable and needed protection. So this is the, the notion of a man, in my estimation, that's required in order to fulfill his highest and, and best use, which is protect the life within the, the cup, which is the woman. Yeah, that's just really, that's really deep. And as I think about this young man, bringing it back to the example that's really from our modern day life that we are seeing over and over, I see that this man, in a way, brought this upon himself by not stepping into a holy covenant with the woman that he was with, that she felt somehow that she had the authority to do away with his child, but that would be a natural conclusion given the circumstances of being outside of a holy covenant. And if you see this picture of the knight going forth to define the holy grail, there's another element in there, and that's the dragon. The dragon is to be slayed in order for him to acquire the grail. In the same instance in the modern world, the dragon is the propaganda that you do not have to do that, that you don't have to marry the woman, you don't have to protect the life. And that is and the, the woman is getting her end of the propaganda as well. The child in your womb is going to keep you from fulfilling your potential. Uh, it's very career-oriented for women. Women are being encouraged to have manly values of career advancement and even manly values uh, in the sexual area that they would that they are encouraged to have sex kind of the way that a man desires sex rather than uh, that that natural bonding that takes place even on the hormonal level when a woman uh, mates with a man, which is what God refers to as becoming one flesh. And that is what marriage is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a commitment, a, a monogamy, a, an exclusiveness, and the man then, uh, and the woman then become something greater than they were, not only as a married couple, but then even greater, they multiply into a family. And the, the father becomes the protector, not only of the woman and not only of the child, but of this new entity, which is the family. And the snake has to be resisted. Well, we heard about the snake in the garden, and he didn't talk to Adam, did he? He talked to Eve. That's right. But Adam failed there as well. He didn't say, woman, what are you doing talking to that snake? And he didn't keep the snake away from the woman. And when God put him in the garden, he was put there specifically to guard it and keep it, not just keep the garden, not just till the ground and name the animals, but actually to guard the garden. And that's what he failed in doing. Well, it's time that men stood up and take their place as guardians of the cup and guardians of God's purpose. What if you don't know God and what if you don't have any sense of what God's purpose is? What could we say to young men who are really hearing a message of um, self-gratification at all costs. I think that, that there is a higher purpose that gives meaning to life and allows men to, to kind of raise their head up 
and have a, a little sense of purpose. Their their shoulders are are um, are pushed back, and their chest is forward, and their heads held high, and it's because they have a purpose, and that purpose is to do that which is good, and God's purpose is the highest good, and He says many times that to do His will is what is good, and if we read. The Bible will tell us exactly what his will is, and that is to protect the woman and to protect the child and bring about his kingdom, which is the ultimate of life. So I think a young man like the, the young man that we're talking about would better be described as a child than a man because he has refrained from entering into a covenantal relationship with the woman that he's sleeping with and he has not learned self-control he has not learned consequences so we don't want to be blaming him we have great compassion for him he has suffered and i actually don't even want to be blameful of the woman because she in a way is also a victim of uh lies that are told about the hurt that's caused by abortion. This is one of the reasons that we're speaking out here is because somebody has to say it. People are hurt by abortion. Women are hurt by abortion. Men are hurt by abortion. It's the same message that the snake said in the garden, that the things that God warned you against is not true, when in fact it is. And just as the the message that goes forth from the modern and postmodern um, world that there is no consequences for this behavior, when in fact it's deeply destructive, and um, and uh, of the individual as well as the society. And I guess something else I would say to a young man like this young man is that what you have before you when you enter into the covenant of marriage is an entrance into a holy relationship that is infused with the, the sacredness that God places on the institution of marriage. He considers it sacred. It is a holy thing to be married and to cooperate with that holy power of God to bring life and to be fruitful and multiply and all that that means is to partner with God to your best and highest purpose. Sometimes it's called solemnizing. Yes, well, that marriage that commitment which is solemn. So makes solemn, but not in a sad and mopey way. No, in a serious... But in gravity and seriousness. And, you know, are you, are you ready to become a man? Are you ready to man up? And I ask you that as a woman, because women need men who are willing to be men and not children. So, Jerry, why don't you just close us in prayer then? Heavenly Father, we ask you that this word would go forth, that people would hear it, that someone would be touched by it, and that they would have a sense of solemnity in their relationship with a woman, and they see the seriousness of it and the, the fact that it's God-ordained, and as such that it, ha it raises itself up from, from frivolity, and it becomes something of import. And so the child that's created in relation to that solemnity is cherished and held up and the woman's also cherished and held up and may men rise up and take their place 
among those um, like the knights that went forth, that they take this to the world and the world becomes a better place as a result. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Good prayer. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Like, share, and subscribe. Visit us at prepareroom.com and learn more about these Foundlings images at thefoundlings.net. Support us at givesendgo.com slash preparearoomministries.